0: Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Hope you are all doing well. If you're new here, welcome. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, you find you learned something or enjoyed it. Please do me a favor and hit that like button and consider subscribing. Now, let's get into it. This week, along with the drama of finding a crashed and abandoned white Elantra, in Eugene, Oregon, that the police are saying is registered to a woman and has nothing to do with the case of the four slain University of Idaho students. There's been chatter about that additional surveillance footage. That would be the footage showing victims Kaylee Gonsalves and Maddie Mogan walking from the Corner Club bar to the grub truck on Main Street in downtown Moscow, Idaho. Some people have enhanced the audio and are saying that hoodie guy, Jack S., made a comment either about one or both of the girls insulting someone back at the bar, or the girls possibly ditching some guys back at the bar. Some people believe they're hearing Jack S. say the way you ditched those guys is an insult, or what you did to those guys is an insult, end quote. Personally, I had trouble hearing anything. The police also stated in an update this week that they've spoken to the bartender, Adam, and he's cooperating. The cops have not said that Adam's cleared, so some people believe this may hint to him knowing something about the crime. Adam, by the way, is one of Kaylee Gonsalves' ex-boyfriend's roommates. We don't know what Adam knows, and we don't know if he was spoken to previously by law enforcement or not. Is he only now on their radar, even though he was front and center to whatever was going on from 11 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. when Kaylee and Maddie were in the Corner Club bar? As I've mulled this stuff about Adam over, I've come to the conclusion that the perpetrator was most likely in the Corner Club bar on Saturday night, November 12th, and into Sunday morning, November 13th, the day the four students were done in. My feelings after hearing so many expert criminal profilers talk about the characteristics they believe the perpetrator likely has is that this person was already carrying around a lot of anger and rage inside of him and that was either aimed at Kaylee or Maddie or both of them or aimed at attractive young females in general the type of desirable girls who attract a lot of male attention, and who maybe allow guys to buy them drinks, and then when it's time to leave, ditch those guys. So maybe this guy is pissed off that he can't get his hands on Kaylee or on any of the lovely girls who lived at 1122 King Road, and maybe he's mad because he paid for their drinks, and then they left him high and dry and humiliated. Whoever it is, doesn't think like you or me. He's someone who could be triggered by something that another guy with emotional health might brush off. So we can't say that whatever made him want to do these people in had to be a huge issue because a quote normal person doesn't off four people over an insult or being ditched. We don't know how this guy thinks. The only thing we know is that he has a personality that allows him to take the lives of other human beings in an up-close and very personal manner. If Jack S. is really saying something about Kaylee or Maddie or both of them, insulting someone at the bar that night, or perhaps allowing a guy or several guys to buy them drinks and then ditching those guys, could that have been the match that lit this guy's simmering anger, and then caused it to explode that night. The perpetrator knew exactly when to strike. He was watching the girls, and he was watching that house. It makes sense to me that he might have been watching them while they were in the corner club bar, and then, when they left, either followed them home or drove to the neighborhood, parked, and watched the windows to see when the lights were turned off. In any event, the perpetrator was watching them, and he knew when to head into that house with his sharp-edged object. I also feel that whoever this is was angry before that night, and it had been simmering for some time. He's a hothead and a grudge holder, and he likely has a criminal history. He fantasized about wanting to hurt one or more of those students, and he spent a lot of time imagining how he would do it. So his planning of the crime was done over months inside his mind, his imagination, and his secret fantasy world. This crime was driven by ego, most likely a wounded ego, and in committing the crime, the guy was, in his mind, delivering justice. Now, I want to share the conclusions that pretty much all of the criminal profilers I've heard weighing in on this case came to regarding the type of person who committed this crime. These are the characteristics and behaviors that these experts all agree on. Now, let me also note that None of these experts have had access to the investigation and the crime scene photos and the autopsy reports. So they're all having to work on just the information that's been released to the public. They've all said that if they could actually see what's in the investigation, they could be much more spot on with their profiles. So here are the things they agree on. The perpetrator is a young male. He's between 20 and 30 years old. He's an introvert and also an outsider. He's intelligent, not genius level, but bright. If you met him, you'd sense something was off with him. He's something of an odd duck. He's been in the house at 1122 King Road before, and he knew the layout of it. He knew where to enter and where to exit. Once inside the home, he went about the act in a regimented and mechanical manner. There was no compassion or empathy. He was beyond callous. He was also familiar with the layout of the property and had likely spent time in the tree line behind the house looking through the back windows. It's also possible that he was farther away and using a telephoto lens or some type of high-tech binoculars to look inside. He also knows that neighborhood well. In fact, he either lives there or somewhere in town. But it's also possible that he once lived in Moscow, that he either goes to the University of Idaho or once went there, or that he lives in a nearby town. In any event, he knows the roads, the side roads, the town, the girls' neighborhood, and the routes out of town and out of the neighborhood to escape the crime scene without anyone seeing him covered in red stuff, which he had to have been covered with. He's done in living creatures before, maybe not human beings but definitely animals. He's proficient with sharp-edged objects and has enough strength to pull off the very physically demanding act of doing four people in in quick succession. He knew where to place the sharp-edged object to both silence his victims and to ensure they were no longer breathing when he departed from the house. He made sure they were all completely and utterly without breath within the period of 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. By the time he was done, he was likely physically exhausted. In committing the crime, he likely injured himself, either with cuts or significant bruising, and he almost certainly left evidence behind at the scene, even if he was wearing protective gear. You cannot avoid dropping skin cells and hair and clothing fibers, When you are committing this type of frenzied, blitz-style attack on four people, that would be virtually impossible. He's also a fan of true crime, and may have honed his skills learning about other infamous people who have done this and gotten away with it, at least for a period of time. He committed the act in the dark, but was aided by the waning gibbous moon that was out that night. Thanks to the moonlight, he was able to see the victims. When attacking the students, he felt the need to have total control over them. That's why he acted out between 3 and 4 a.m. when they were in bed and likely sleeping or just falling asleep. He was also aware that they had been drinking. Their inebriation aided him in that they could not fight back at full force with crisp thinking and sharp body movements. He is someone who feels like nobody one minute, and then, after pulling this crime off, he feels like God. Right now, as he's so far eluded the police, at least to all of our knowledge, he's enjoying his success, and he's watching everything that's being said about him, he has no regrets and is very satisfied with his performance. It's been a boost to his ego and has increased his self-esteem. The victims represented something to him. This was not a random opportunistic crime. He was familiar with at least one victim and was fixated on that person. He had prior contact with that person, even if that person didn't remember it. The weapon he chose is very important. It allowed him to get up close and personal. The sharp-edged object is important to him, that particular object, and he did not ditch it. It is somewhere that only he knows about, and he will take it out to relive the crime in his head. He likely left the crime scene with something belonging to whichever victim was his primary target. This is likely a driver's license or a student ID. The families, if they could, should do an inventory of their loved one's belongings to try and figure out what exactly is missing that might shed light on who the primary target was. And Kaylee Gonzalez's mother was right to be concerned that he might turn up at her daughter's funeral the perpetrator is the type of person who will do that. So while we don't know exactly what his face looks like or what his name is at this point, we do know who he is in terms of his personality and his character. I can't wait to see who the cops end up arresting, and I am comforted by the criminal profilers because they all are saying he will be caught. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe, share this content far and wide, consider a membership to support the channel, and I'll see you next time.